mucho spicy. Mm. I just want everything to be like white bread flavored. <laughs> very soft. Very <laughs> soft. You wouldn't be paying for Thai food. Well, <laughs> just exactly. Some damn so why are you bread. paying for food by Asian people? <laughs> I mean... <laughs> Hi, welcome to Outrageous, a podcast where we talk about race, media, culture, politics, and everything in between. My name is Chris. I'm in New York City, and I'm joined by my very best friends, Trisha in LA. Hello. And Jason in DC. Hello, friends. <laughs> I don't understand what's funny about that. <laughs> no, it's not just. <laughs> no, nothing. It's great. There, it, there is a sort of. I don't know, like Saturday morning connotation to it. It just feels very children's program. <laughs> That's <laughs> like you're going to take a puppet out or something. <laughs> you know little boys and or, girls. Or yeah. what was that? What's that? What's that SNL thing? Was it Jack Handy? <laughs> Jack Handy. Deep thoughts by Jack Handy. Yeah. It, or no, no. Uh, you're thinking of the motivational speaker. That was Al Franken, by the way. <laughs> no, there's like a there's such a wonderful earnestness to it. That's what that's what strikes me about it. So oh, I, I'll I'll enjoy it. <laughs> it's very key. We are enjoying it. Look how much we enjoyed that, Jason. <laughs> I'm so glad. I, I hope one of you gives my greeting as your media recommendation. At the end of this. <laughs> I'm recommending Jason saying hello, friends, <laughs> at the beginning of select episodes about rages. <laughs> oh my gosh! Wow, we have some stuff to talk about. But first, I want to check in and see how people are doing. Uh, Jason got vaccinated, so congratulations. Half vaccinated, but thank half, you. Half vaccinated. Thank you. You know what someone told me? People are saying. <laughs> You're hearing. What are you I'm, hearing? You're I'm hearing. hearing <laughs> that people are giving like, there's like a sign for being vaccinated. Like in you'd be like this. Like, oh, so you God. take like oh. two fingers and you tap your shoulder to indicate like, I've been, I've had both my shots or one finger, you tap your shoulder, be like, I have one shot. <laughs> Like it's like gang signs for vaccinated people, and I was like, "Is that for real?" Is that? And they're like, "No, seriously." Like that's people be in the club, and they'd be like, "Hey, girl, just <laughs> sort of Is like that you what know. you're going to be doing in your clubs." That's what I'll be, be doing. I'll be in the children? bars, just be like, "Yeah, double vax, baby." Well, my uh, the, of course the gays are extra, so now they're selling. I know, surprise, they're selling shirts that say like "vaccinated and on prep." <laughs> Oh, well, that's, listen, no, I mean, people, people are upset, let us but be I was honest like, about, let's be honest about what, where we are physically and mentally and um, medically. I was, <laughs> I was like, I don't have any problem with that kind of advertising. I was like, okay, you're vaccinated on prep. Well, great. Um, so a you little much. Have, I mean, it's, it's a little much for the greeting. I mean, let's <laughs> let's talk a little bit. Let's have a drink first, like just a little bit. Well, yes, have but you been to clubs? Maybe that's exactly right. <laughs> listen, there's no time to waste. You walk into also, <laughs> you walk into a club, you look around, you'd be like, Oh, I'm worried about COVID, I'm worried about HIV. You're like, Oh, that guy's shirt. Huh. That's this, this must How be am I going to confirm day. those? How do I confirm either of those? Is, this this, is, is the investment in the purchase of the shirt enough? <laughs> this is the vaccine passport to the extreme. We want a passport of everything. Have you had chicken <laughs> pox yet? <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh, we're so we're so trapped Wait, in this. Before we head. jump into our topic, that's a, you bring up a good point because here we're talking about vaccinations again. But really, 
what do you think about vaccine passports? This idea that like to get into certain places of business, to be able to travel, that you have to like flash your card. I, I hate you know, it. Do you? I've been, I've been I mean, I, on one like- level, on one level, I'm very comforted by the idea because it obviously comes out of a place of fear mm-hmm. and it's like confirmation. But like anything that is required, I need to make sure that access is taken care of. Like if everyone can get it, then fine. Mm -hmm. But we know that that's not going to happen. So it's just another like red velvet rope experience. And I Mm -hmm. just can't abide by that. Not anymore. What do you think? I have mixed feelings about it. You know, I think about like, well, you you know, got to be vaccinated, go to school. You have to show your records like. It's kind of like that. I think I can't remember where I heard this, but I heard someone recently make the point that the reality is this is such a short time frame, God willing, um, that by the time it gets ramped up to like be meaningful, hopefully, you know, a lot of people are back. Like, I, I just don't know that that the the benefits outweigh the costs because I think there are costs, as Trish is talking about. There will be equity challenges and whatnot, and I just don't know the benefits outweigh that because it's. You know, again, God willing, it's not going to be like a decade that. Well, who gets it though? Listen, the assumption that we're actually going to get any kind of movement on the COVID vaccine internationally should be challenged. Like that's, you know, some Mm -hmm. countries are not expected to have access to any kind of vaccine. And then when it gets distributed for years down the Mm -hmm. line. So this is like from an American standpoint, it's basically a vaccine about you. Mm-hmm. and how you get to move around the world. But well, it's sort of strange to me. It is strange. And I think domestically, you know, when first this idea like, oh, you're gonna have to show this, like, I think, I don't want to talk out of turn, but where was it that they were going to go start doing live music again? And they were saying- that, Oh yeah, they were thinking about that. Where was that? Was that in this country? And like, in order to buy the ticket, you would have to show your vaccination card. I've so read like, a few things about them. There on are things one like level, that. On one level, I'm like, okay, well, we can enjoy some of the things that we used to enjoy, but everyone can feel safer, you know? Sure. But on the other hand, it's everything that you said, Trisha, is that there's real equity issues in that, you know? And also like, just the very base fact is that some people are housed, some people are organized to keep documents, right. and some people are not. And like, I just don't know if I'm, I'm, interested in punishing people or limiting access just because you're disorganized, just because you don't have a safe place to put your important documents. Like my important documents are in a safe in my living room, just so everyone knows, in a safe. <laughs> in the nomination is 7743. Okay. Yeah. The, the key is right underneath. It's in my underwear drawer. Like you pull it out and it's underneath taped. You know what I mean? Like I'm organized like that. And a it's lot like we did not. masks. Do you know how we did masks? Remember how they started arresting people for not having masks? And beating people up and berating people for not having masks. And masks are cheap, I would assume, compared to what could potentially come of a passport. Like, I love all of these systems because they're so, they're so seamless. Until you start asking for whom, how, and those questions. And then at what conditions. And then it all breaks down and it all fuzzles apart. And it may not impact me for sure, because I feel like I have enough connections in whatever systems exist. And you're organized enough. You could produce whatever documents you need. It's That's not great even about, for you. But. Yeah, it's not even about organization. I'm talking just about privilege. Like, yeah. I have a home. I can mm-hmm. do things, you know, all of those things. I can be on the ball with that. But, like, when you start connecting it to real needs, 
Yeah. Do you go into a grocery store? Do you go to a doctor? Like yeah, all yeah. of those places, this isn't something where like, oh, it's cosmetic. Oh, I want to go here. And it's like, you know what I mean? It's like, it's open. Mm-hmm. A lot of these things are going to be mandatory places. They're going to be really spaces where you want to access services. In like the spaces. post office. Yeah. Like, something I, like that. Those, yeah. It's just, I yeah. think I love when they come up with these ideas. Do it only in a city where you can make sure everyone has it. But otherwise, oh. it seems indulgent. Yeah. We've, ref- we've referenced this before, too. It's like, in a perfect world, that makes sense. But this is a far from a perfect world. And, you know, Trisha, you'd made this point once, and I loved it. You're like, um, we were talking about research and technology. And you're like, whatever technology we discover, we're going to use it to discriminate, <laughs> Because like, discrimination is a thing and it's something that we do. And so like any new technologies you're going to use in that in that fashion. And it, it's sort of a bit like that. Like we don't live in a perfect world. Like vaccine passports, like, oh, vaccine to go to the grocery store. It feels great. But the thing, people already have inequitable access to grocery stores. <laughs> exactly. Some, some people, don't even exist. Yeah. Some people <laughs> don't even have them in their neighborhoods. And now to go to one, now you have to bring papers, please. Like, it feels great. It's just like the no, actual experience of it would be bad. Let me tell you a real quick story of mm-hmm. a moment where I had an aha about privilege. And I don't, I don't know what the right answer to this is. So um, years ago at, at the school I was running, one of our former students came and she had a baby and she had taken the bus to the- She said former students. I was like, former what? Because it was a former middle school, student. but I'm sorry, go ahead. That happens too, Chris. Oh, but, um, but we had a former student come with her baby, her newborn, and she visited and it got dark while she was at the school. And then she asked one of my teachers, can you take me, take us to the bus stop? You know, it's dark. I don't want to have to walk to the bus stop. And he was like, sure. And then it was like, he was like, wait a second. I don't have a car seat. Well, she didn't have a car seat. She doesn't have a car. She didn't have, you know, just was it was like, what's the answer there? I mean, car seats are like there to protect kids. So it's like, you don't want to have a kid in the car without a car seat. But now her only option was to walk in the dark to the bus stop. Like, I don't even know the right answer to that, but it was just this moment. Like I never even thought about that. Like to me, prior to that moment, I was like, "Yeah, car seats. That makes sense." Like, and wait, then, yeah. he didn't give her a ride. She couldn't. She couldn't hold the baby in the lap for two no, minutes. He, he did do that. He felt uh, terrible though. But like, the thing is, is like, about it. but it puts everyone in the car at risk. You yeah. know, because that's the other thing. Especially, I mean, are these black people? The teacher was white. Okay, the student was black. Well, well, there you go. I mean, but if that was a black teacher, like Trisha, you can understand like to invite that kind of attention from the police. It's like you're right. There is no, there's no good answer. I think there's a right answer, but there's no good answer. The right answer is give her a ride. Oh, I mean, you know? the right, the right answer is have a car that comes with um a car seat. <laughs> a car seat. <laughs> that's, that's the rightest answer. A, that a, is a, the rightest <laughs> car seat. You know what I mean? Like every yeah. car presumes that there might be a child attached some at some point in time. That's yeah. good, so Trisha. You, activated, you get you the activated. equity award for the week. That is a great. I didn't even. That didn't even occur to me. That's the, the right like answer. Part of the back seat that like folds out. Yeah, that you can. You know, like you do all kinds yeah. of things, but oh there's God. a child seat that just. Do you, do you two want to go on Shark Tank? a billion dollars not even but but you know what can i tell you i'm, I'm having practice i'm i'm practicing mm-hmm. i'm practicing this thought process i'm practicing anytime anyone asks if i want a thing or a thing should exist i think about who is least likely to have it and you're, then you're I a design thinker it. you're a design thinker. i'm trying i'm trying i'm backing into it and now all kinds of things make sense <laughs> no i love that you're right that, that is great. the rightest answer yes, cars cars should have access to car seats like why wouldn't they 
Yeah. I mean, it should come with the car. It's right? got to be the least expensive thing to add to the car. You know, like all, all I mean, the crap considering that's in cars. These cars, I don't know if you've been to these new Teslas, but they have like this whole video game screen oh, where it's, it radar scans the cars around you so you can see in real time on a screen, like as an aerial where your car is. It's wild. So I'm sure that costs more than a car seat. Yeah. Can I tell you, it's so funny. I've been, I've been, I've been thinking about theater. And I just think so much of American um, cultural life is theater. Oh, yeah. Even, right? You know, like, because you're looking at that, and I guarantee you that technology does nothing interesting. Well, but it just looks it. it. Like, it, it, does, just it does help your blind spot. I'm going to just say that. It, it does might, help your but blind you, spot. But you, know, but you know the design aspect of it makes it yeah. seem like it is fundamentally safer. I mean, mm-hmm. let's not talk about Tesla self-driving cars, people dying. Oh, yes. Um, but, you know, it's not, you know, not on purpose, obviously. But mm-hmm. um, but it's just like, I was just thinking about like, you know, they talk about like security theater, taking off mm-hmm. your shoes when you're going to the airport. Or now. COVID theater. Yeah. I just COVID went to dinner theater. tonight. Like, can we take your temperature? I'm like, why? <laughs> I mean, and the why? research has been saying that about like the theater that we're doing where we're wiping everything down when it's really about ventilation. So yeah. it's like, the, you know, so it's like you're not paying attention to the real things, but there's a feeling of safety, right? Like that's the thing. It's like, it gives you, the, so mm-hmm. I don't know, theater, theater being this moment of like, oh, I feel, I feel comforted by the fact that you just rifled through my bag. Thanks. Yeah. It's all superstition and belief. It's right, just, a little bit. <laughs> it's an outgrowth of religion. Like I believe, like taking the shoes off, it's sort of like a ritual at the airport. One guy had a shoe bomb, which did. I was going to say it was one guy. That's all. It one takes guy had a shoe one, bomb, one which which did not work. <laughs> but you can bring your fucking dog on the plane. All right, I'm not having this conversation. <laughs> Me, dog. We're not having that conversation again. Okay. But, no, it is helpful though. It is helpful to unpack the immediate impulse to do a thing. Yes, right, which is, is like the immediate impulse is vaccine passport, and everyone's like, let's think about passports. Like I, I, which is different than vaccination cards, by the way, because mm-hmm. um, I was getting them a little bit like blending them in my mind. Well, you need to demo- you need to show this anyway to do this, 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 and this. But a passport is usually a right. It's a thing. It's a thing that allows you from to move from one space to another. And moving people and constraining people is a big fun yeah. power move. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So IDs. I know. Papers, please. Papers, please. It's, it's I know. that kind of it's that kind of thing. Certain, we don't like that. We don't that. like that. I know that there are other countries who are more comfortable with that, but we're not really big on that in this country. It always rubs the wrong way. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if that actually takes off. A lot of states are like grumbling because they feel the public health benefits but like again like the inequity of it it, it can it's just going to roar out of control you know it's just an, we're an, right I'm not sure. to like it though georgia I will mean, find a reason to help you know use it to stop people from voting like it's just not yeah i mean like it's not good in the wrong hands who's been asked to present papers and what context does it end up well right. yeah exactly. <laughs> right what if, what if you don't have the right papers are you just ejected or is there some other law enforcement response and then then all the inequities come crashing through you know it all just rebounds well i wouldn't mind any of these things if the response to you not having it is let me help you get it yeah that's a whole different dance i'm doing right Mm -hmm. (laughs) but it's usually you don't have it yeah you don't belong here get out yeah get out or we're We're gonna gonna handcuff you and take you (laughs) tase you if you're lucky if i reach for the right one but 
but yeah. um, ugh, that's not what we're talking about today. Actually, let's let's move into our um, only topic. This is a slightly shorter episode. So moments ago, Derek Chauvin, who murdered George Floyd, was convicted on all counts, and the jury took like less than four hours to deliver their verdict, and he will be going to jail for maybe up to 40 years, the sentencing in a couple of weeks. So this just happened today, and we pushed back our normal slate of topics because we figured, I mean, none of us have really had an opportunity to process this. So we figured we'd process it live with you listening. I have really complicated feelings about this, but I want someone else to go first. And I pick Jason. Yeah. I mean, I would also say I have complicated feelings about it and I'm going to list them in no particular order. One is, thank goodness, this looked crystal clear. And there have been so many previous crimes against black people that looked crystal clear. I mean, I, I keep thinking back, and I know plenty of people are talking about this, to Rodney King. And I can remember at the time, I think I was in high school, where I was like, how in the world were these police officers acquitted? It made no sense to me. And this, um, you know, one feeling I have is like, thank goodness. Like this look, you know, and I, I, didn't, I didn't listen to the whole trial, but I kept listening to highlights. And I was like, this just seems so clear. I hear what the defense is saying. It seems to me to make no sense. So I feel relieved and happy about that. Um, I'm also concerned that like what I hope people don't take away is like, oh, now the system works, right? Like, oh no, policing. Look, we saw police officers testify against him. Maybe it's all okay. Our current institutions of law enforcement and criminal justice. And, you know, I, I also thought, thank God there are police officers testifying against him. It speaks to just the heinousness of the crime and the obviousness of it. But the fact that it took a crime that is so obvious that was seen by so many people that was indisputable. When we know lots of people, lots of black men uh, and black women and others at times are being killed by police and it's not on video, it's not as crystal clear and people are getting acquitted and police are not testifying against other police. So anyway, that's, that's part of the complicated feeling is I just hope there continues to be um, some real will to fundamentally rethink our institutions to be more equitable and less violent and less racist and less fatal. Well, I didn't watch the trial at all. In other, in previous trials or any other kind of scenarios, maybe I feel like I've had context for it or I, I've like listened to all the details into the weeds. I'm not sure. So um, for me, it was, I felt two things. I felt gratitude for um, the family that maybe there's a sense of peace that comes out of this individual occurrence of the law um, being right in some ways and the family feeling gratified that 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 means that their pain not that anything cancels it but at least it assures them that this was a wrong that everyone agreed with um, within their society at least and then the second thing I was thinking about were all the deaths throughout the week. And then the third part of it was horrible and really cynical of me, but I was like, it's because it was on camera. Plus all of the actions last year is what necessitated this response. And so that to me was very wearying because I was like, so you mean to tell me when an egregious act happens like that, 
we're going to have to then do the next piece of it, which is to convince you it is egregious and make your life so uncomfortable and get all 50 states to have some George Floyd movement of some sort, right? Because that, that, that happened. And then you might get a moment of like, I think we're going to get a guilty. Because this morning when I was serving a little bit, my friends informally or different kinds of stuff, I think everyone wasn't certain. Um, and I think the only thing that tipped me over was because I saw Oral Roberts say, damn, that man was a murderer. And I thought, oh, people who are not traditionally in this space or see it this way agree it was a murder. So I thought that there was a high likelihood that that would happen. So that's when I was like, those are all of the thoughts I was processing all within the same period. I felt only relief for the family, not for me, not for anyone that I knew anything. Cause I thought to myself, I could go out of the street right now and something could happen or be in my bed as Brianna was. So yeah. sure. it didn't bring me any kind of comfort in that way. It was individual and specific to that family. I just didn't feel any relief. You know, accountability is not justice. Accountability is the midwife of justice. You know what I mean? And like Derek Chauvin's being held accountable for murdering someone. But justice, like justice would look at the people who tasked him with exterminating black people whenever he had the opportunity. And like you said, like I could have been walking back from the park and being shot dead and those murderers would get away with it. Like this is th them holding this one guy out as sort of like a sacrificial lamb because of everything happened this year. And maybe I'm being cynical, but that's the way it feels. Like, I don't know why this would be a sea change. Like no one's explained that to me. Like, is this a moment in time where police need to be shaking in their boots because like their genocidal tactics are going to have to like have to be stayed? Like, I don't feel that. The fact that Breonna Taylor's murderers are still out there, the fact that Elijah McClain's murderers are sharing funny memes about murdering him, I don't feel a lot of comfort. For the family, like you said, I hope they have some measure of peace, but- I mean, what was all this for? Is anything going to change? Like there are black people being killed. I mean, just the other day, just the other day and, and probably tomorrow. And I just, I don't know. I want to be excited and I don't know, help me out. But this just does not feel like it was like justice prevailing. So I follow a lot of abolitionist people on Twitter many of them didn't participate because they just don't believe in the entire process, the entire, as I say, theater of the whole thing. But one person said that the her timeline was probably like ours. And she said that was a tremendous amount of movement in the last 10 years, right? So the idea that people, and I think a lot of people feel this way. Some people are like elated maybe and feeling as if something has completely shifted, but there are people who are conflicted. And I think that conflict suggests a recognition about what is and isn't possible through this justice system, right? Like, I think that sense of like unease, unsureness about it, um, which is what I suspect. And I think later on when I looked is what she was getting at, which is that you now have people who don't, aren't soothed by this. And that's really a powerful space to be in, right? Should we be soothed by this? I don't just mean black people. I mean like American society, liberal people who do not believe in the murder 
of people of color. Sure. Um, should we be soothed by this? I definitely don't think we should be soothed. There's some positive potential. <laughs> I think, again, we haven't seen verdicts like this. So that, I wouldn't call it soothing. I would say is it opens up perhaps a small window of possibility. The fact that there were multiple police officers and the chief testifying in the way that they did, again, not soothing. We don't know that will ever happen again, but like to me, it, it opens up a possibility. I think like any kind of social change, if the pressure doesn't remain on, if people don't continue to think of new and innovative ways to be equitable, to be more civilized, you know, then it could easily, this could easily be like, oh, well, it was just because it was such an extreme case and everything else is the same every day. But I think there's a possibility, but it really will be on all of us to, you know, take advantage of it, leverage it, crack open this small, this small opening to a much bigger opening. What do you think, Trisha? I mean, I'm soothed because it was so clearly egregious. So the idea that there is not a limit, but an example of a, of a shared assessment of a situation that we all saw, right? Like that's what makes people feel a certain way, right? Is if I, or just think about, just think about inter, interpersonally. If I tell you something and you say, you completely deny it, you completely discount it, you feel lesser in the interaction. Even if you don't say, even if you don't agree with what I say, but you suggest to me that I hear you I completely understand where you're coming from and I feel you on that. That's really affirming. And so on some level, that's what I think this says is like, y'all saw the same thing. That was straight up murder. Like that was straight up. You know what I mean? This like the that, that kind of agreement is, is nice the, to see. This is the part that disquiets me though. And someone said this in the New York Times earlier today, but it's like the fact that this was so white knuckle until the end it's disquieting. It happened on camera and the, it happened. He. It's okay. He put his knee on that man's neck and cavalierly checked his fucking email while the man begged for his life. And the whole thing was on camera. And even still for days in a trial, they had to be like, well, I don't know. Did he kill him? Did he kill him? And so the fact that he's guilty, it's like, is that what we're going to need every time a black person's murdered by the state? We're going to need actual video evidence. And even still, up until the minute that you, the guilty converted comes back, the belief that it could have gone the other way. Like, this is why I'm not soothed by this. Uh, think about all the people of color who are convicted with no witnesses, no evidence, and they're off to jail. They don't even get a trial. They're like, you, you better take the deal because you're going down. And this man, it was on camera. And up until this morning, I was certain he was going to get off. And so was everybody else. You know, I, I, that is a problem to me. That's why I'm not soothed by this. You know, what should have happened in a perfect world is that the footage came out. They're like, we don't even need a trial. You killed that man and you're going to hell. Skip jail. You're going to hell. You know, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> Well, I mean, listen, I have to say the last time I felt like this was election day. I mean, think about it. We watched that all together mm -hmm. as a country for the last four years. Mm -hmm. And it was a nail biter. All it was, I mean, you know what I mean? It's 
And I said to this, I said this to you too at the time, it's embarrassing. It was embarrassing the, the way that, that that person who was president was carrying on. And then we're still, still 50% of the country was like, well, I don't know, I would vote for that. <laughs> I mean, this is the structural challenge of this moment, right? Because it's like, then that's embedded. That You can't unpack that with one fell swoop. Like it's got to be a series of actions over time, which tells me, and this is what makes me heart sick, is that tells me this is a long hoe. Because like what you're hoping for is this like, aha moment. There is no aha moment mm-hmm. for stuff like this. There's no, because it's like, and so right. that's the thing, right? It's like no aha moment 2016 when I'm like, okay. <laughs> and then four years later, <laughs> after all you have observed. He got even more votes. It, you know what I he mean? Did. Like you had to do. And then, so this is, this is the corollary for me to your discomfort, Chris, is then like the election, what has been the repercussion after this election? The erosion of all people's rights who popped up and made their, their themselves heard. Mm-hmm. So all I can imagine in this moment is a similar retributionary vibe. So that's also the anxiety for me, right? It's like, if somebody said, whoa, it was so close. You know what? Next time, I want to make sure I have a more forgiving message around the country. And that's what's going to get me the votes. This person says, no, my idea is legitimate. And I'm going to double down and make sure you don't get voting. So that's the correlator for me about this trial. It's like a single moment that then forces a reaction. What do you think about the media connecting this verdict to the O.J. Simpson verdict in the 90s? Why do you think that connection is being made? So a couple episodes ago, Trisha um, talked about how refreshing it was to watch an interview that lots of people seem to be watching at the same time. And I hadn't thought about this before, but when I heard what you just said, Trisha, about this trial, I... I I guess it is pretty neat that a lot of people across a lot of different, you know, kind of backgrounds and ideologies seem to be on the same page about this trial. I'm sure there's some people think that he should have gotten off, but like a lot of people seem to believe the same thing, seeing the same video, which as crazy and low bar as that sounds, we know it's been very hard for people to treat things as fact across different backgrounds and ideologies. The thing about the O.J. Simpson trial is it did, for better or for worse, capture the attention of a lot of people across all different backgrounds. And so people were watching it, were hearing about it, even if they weren't watching it, and were anticipating what's the outcome going to be. I do think there was that kind of collective attentiveness to this. So I guess that's why that connection is being made. But again, I'm very uncomfortable with the connection because they're just so fundamentally different i'm uncomfortable with the connection because i know what people are thinking the connection is and it's not the connection i want them to think so what that's think? what makes me uncomfortable with the connection so the connection if you recall the reaction to oj was the system doesn't work how and uh, and polarized right it was a clear polarized view like People are like, Black people are celebrating regardless of whether that's true or not. And then white people are aggrieved and they have held this trial up. This singular trial up has more resonance for people about the problematic nature of the criminal justice system than other ones 
with clear like, through lines. So that's interesting to me because that tells me that you're saying it didn't work for me, even though it was built for me and my ideas of right. Mm-hmm. And that is what I think is at play. That's the subtext I'm afraid is really happening in this trial. Not the, I, we all watch it, any of that stuff. Not any of that. It's the, it's the meaning that people were supposed to take from that trial and from somebody who was obviously guilty getting off. And even for the other side where it's like, but no, the reverse happened. There's a lesson that's being extrapolated by groups of people here. Let me tell you what the announcer said when I came in. The announcer said, this seemed to have been a very unified jury. And even though some people were, you know, sort of pro-Black Lives Matter, they had cops in their family. And I thought, why are those two things in opposition to each other? Do you see what I mean? Like, even in the framing, she herself was making an assumption Mm -hmm. about what Black Lives Matter meant. Mm -hmm. And then also what this trial suggested about it. Like, Mm -hmm. It, and the way she cast it in diametric opposition, because if cops reflect the state. Yes. And Black Lives Matter is oppositional to the state. Mm-hmm. Then does that mean Black Lives Mattering is an oppositional thing for the state? Like, do you know what I mean? Like it was just like she herself asked that as a newscaster. And that told me so much about what she was thinking about those definitions. And so that's what makes me nervous. That's really interesting. Right. What makes me nervous is what are people assuming about the guilt, the innocence, the justice, all of those elements of the case? Like what's going on when someone says it? Mm -hmm. So in wrapping this up, where do we go from here? How do we use this moment? The seconds after it happened, I got a thousand emails from every institution that I am a part (laughs) of, you know, a note from this university president, from that university president, from the CEO of this, you know, and everyone, I have to say the tone was not celebratory in any of them, which I super appreciated from a lot of these white institutions that I like Ivy leaks that I was getting these emails from. It was just pretty much like, there's a lot more work to do. Uh, this is great, but it doesn't actually correct anything, uh, which I love that because I know, I know for a fact, a lot of white liberals are like, we did it. We did it. It's done. Everyone, congratulations. It's like when Obama won the election. It's done. We're not racist. We were hoping we weren't, and we're not. We did it. We worked hard, you know, and I know (laughs) a lot of white liberals were like, last summer we were in the streets and look what we did. And I'm like, not for nothing, but you didn't, this one white man going to jail doesn't correct anything. So like, what do you think? Where, how would you suggest that we use this to move forward? Like, how does this fit into a vision of criminal justice reform or of abolition of Black Lives Matter? Like, what? how do we take this into the future? Is this the opening of a door to a new future? Or is this just a bone throw, thrown to an angry crowd? I'll be a little repetitive and say, I think it could be the beginning of a new future, but only if we make it so. I, I think we have to let go of our concept of policing as it is today. Relief we, and we have to, and I know I am not the expert here. I don't have the answers, but I know there are thinkers out there and social scientists and whatnot that have policy and institutional suggestions that we should be actually paying great attention to. I think about this case, and this is 
one of the many problems with policing. So much of policing is stop a black person from moving the way they're moving. And then when they resist the restraint, and I'm using that word broadly, they kill die. Yeah. They die. You kill them. We just see that over and over. I mean, just in the cases this, this week of other people dying, like that was what happened. And that just has to be fundamentally dismantled. Like that is not public safety. That is murder. We started out the podcast talking about vaccine passports. And you've just said that thing. It's not just public safety. There's a punitive element that just runs in everything we do because like the vaccine passport, it's going to be a punishment, even though it should not be because what it actually is is a failure of your own institutions to deliver for you. Mm -hmm. But we're going to make it an individual failure, right? And so similar to this, these are systemic issues. These are massive systemic issues. And a single thing doesn't do anything to indicate anything shifting meaningfully in the systems, right? I think the only point of hope I have is both the reaction to George's murder live and the reaction since then and the disquiet. Like that to me is something I'm going to take with me a little bit because it has nothing to be, it has nothing to do with the structure. It has everything to do with kind of people and what we have a feeling and a sense about how we need to shift ourselves a little bit. Does that get reflected in our institutions? Maybe, but I think, but even just as I'm saying, we just started with a passport, which was about how you move through space and time in certain places. And that question of like, we're always looking for people to stop moving, to stop their movement. You know, and we do it in small ways all the way up to death. And so (laughs) I would need a different framework. I would need to feel a different framework happening before I believe in the criminal justice system, which is the most complex of it getting there. Mm -hmm. Like that's that's just how I feel like because our first impulse around a pandemic was all of that. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I, I hear the point you're making and it's well taken. I do think, though, there's always going to be some tension between like some tension involved in protecting health when you have someone that some people, let's say, who, you know, are susceptible to a, a virus and others who are vaccinated. And, and I'm not arguing with you, but there's always going to be some tension there. The, when I think about the killings by police of unarmed black people, in many of the cases, there's no there's no tension like. George Floyd did not present a threat to anyone. You're, you're misperceiving tension. You say the tension and you made it between the two people. There is a tension between having the moneyed or the whatever class feel comfortable moving through the space. So when someone tells you, you your kid, get off the sidewalk because you don't belong there, that's a low level thing. But that's really about like, you don't belong here, move out of our space. And so this idea that George Floyd is the George Floyd is the end of that thought process. You know, I, I just think, look, I am 100% comfortable with if your kid's not vaccinated, they're not coming in the school where my kid is. I am 100% comfortable with that. That is fundamentally different from you tried to spend what looked like a counterfeit $20 bill and we're going to pin you to the ground and kill you. That's Those not, two things, if you think that's why that person died, then that's, yeah. you're not hearing the point. Yeah, I think you're... You're missing what Trisha is saying. 
I think I'm, what my concern about what you're saying, Trisha, is like you seem to be saying we never we never put limits on where people go. Yeah, no, we, we, we never put limits on where some people go. No, no, I'm saying you seem to be saying we should never put limits on where no, anyone No, 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 I'm not saying that at all. What okay, I'm saying- that's what is, I heard. No, oh, I mean, no, no. I'm saying you should understand that there is a, the nature of how we organize the society is who has permission to go wherever they want to go mm-hmm. and do whatever they want. And even our definition of a crime is dependent on who does what they want. So this notion that there's not, there's no tension Tension is completely manufactured. It's not natural. It's not a natural tension. There were people who agreed with, who would have agreed with maybe you taking George Floyd to jail for the counterfeit $20 bill, Mm -hmm. like, and roughing him up. Like, yes, the fact that we couldn't agree on the death part, like, I'm just saying, it's like, that's not what, there's a tension, but the tensions really shift based on who's doing the action. Mm -hmm. Sure. And so that tells me the tension is false. And you can see that, Jason, like you just to sort of double down on what Trisha's saying, like think about that reaction, how many cops showed up for a counterfeit $20 bill, but you had white people in Walmarts causing all sorts of disturbances, like harassing people who work there and stuff. And then like, no one showed up for that. Now it's, it's not about, it's, it's not about like level of quote unquote crime. It's just the fact that like, who got to do what they wanted there? Like, you know, whose who's well-being and interests were being looked after and who, there's, there, there is a tension around that. So, whereas, you know, whereas a counter for 20, like Trish is saying, like jail, death, you know, a slap of, along the ears, like any of that is ma- purely manufactured. None, none of it is, a, a, it's not nature. No, I completely, I completely agree. I think yeah. I'm, I think I'm reacting to the equivalence with the vaccine passport. I put them together mm-hmm. because they're about deciding appropriate behavior. And because I tell you this, if parents decide not to vaccinate their kids, some parents are doing it entirely indulgently and some people don't even access have access sure. to the vaccine. And yeah. that's the choice point that I'm saying. And yeah. even the even the people who get to choose not to vaccinate their kids and suffer no consequences, that's a privilege. Like it's just sure. like there, you know what I mean? There's just like these weird groupings of it. So I totally get what you're saying in the sense like, but no, some people should choose. <laughs> some people should choose not to vaccinate if they want to or do or all of that kind of jazz. Yeah. I think I'm getting at the tension piece. I'm getting at the tension piece because I think the tension piece is um, it's not objective. And I that's like that. absolutely. I like absolutely. that framework about that. That's cool. Let's leave that there because that's the smartest thing anyone said. Okay. (laughs) Moving on to recommendations, which is something you've seen, heard, read, or experienced. Do you think other people should see, hear, read, or experience? Jason, why don't you go first? I'm going to give an anti-recommendation, but just some real quick, real quick, real quick context. My lovely wife has decided after seeing a trailer that she is eager to watch Fast 9 the ninth installment of the canon of the fast oh, and the furious. Absolutely. Now I've never seen any of those movies except the Hobbs and Shaw spinoff. And so she has asked if I'd be willing to watch the franchise as we lead up to the new release coming out. A whole franchise. Well, she said we can skip Tokyo drift. Cause that one's bad. This is, so, why, I, this is why I'm not getting married ever. <laughs> I'm not agreeing to 
anything like that. So I watched, it, so I watched the first one. It was, it actually was more watchable than I thought. I'm, I'm not recommending it. I didn't like it, but it was watchable. The second one, which I feel bad saying, cause John Singleton, I think he's, he was a talented filmmaker, but Oh, it was terrible. My anti-recommendation is too fast, too furious. <laughs> Didn't the, and then the, the next one was called three fast, three furious, right? <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> I made the same joke to her. It's funny that you said, <laughs> I said the same thing. We hang out a lot. Okay. <laughs> Trisha, what's yours? <laughs> so I watched a documentary on Netflix called Coded Bias. And it's basically um, exploring what happens when Joy Boy Lamwini, who is a Black woman researcher at MIT, who uncovers racial bias in facial recognition algorithms. She's doing a simple experiment and the facial recognition is not reading her face. And she happens to take a mask down that's an all white mask and she puts it across her face and it starts reading, starts computing her face. She's now seen. And so it just explores the question of bias in facial recognition. It's compelling. It's compelling watching. Um, It's really raises questions about sort of what are we willing to trade for certain conveniences, really. That's really ultimately. Mm -hmm. And why do we continue to believe that machines can tell us more about ourselves than we know? I highly suggest it. So really up your sweet spot, Jason, and also Chris. And it just it just came to Netflix. It was making the rounds, but now it's on Netflix. Sounds great. Sure, I will check it out. I'm going to recommend something that is on Disney Plus, and it is, <laughs> surprise, what? Marvel Studios, The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Now, no spoilers, no spoilers, please. Uh, oh, God, oh, really? Gosh, okay. Really? Um, do you want me to leave uh, the room? Damn it. No, 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 no. It's fine. Okay. So, by the time you hear this, all the episodes will be out. I haven't, I've, I have seen the penultimate episode. I don't know how it ends. I will say this without comparing it to WandaVision. It is the first time that the Marvel Universe really deals with the issues of race that some of their stories uh, raise. Um, you can say, oh, didn't we do that a lot in Black Panther? We did and we didn't. Yeah. Um, Black Panther sort of was able to sort of glide along some of it just because it was so excellent and it was such a like, Black Panther-centered story. But in Falcon and Winter Soldier- Also very conciliatory. I mean- I mean, it's black on black warfare. That's the thing. And like, the white even boy's getting fixed, even Killmonger's like goals and plan was, was stated obliquely near the end of the movie. Like what he plans, like the liberation he was describing. He didn't say black liberation. He didn't say we're going to take down all the white people. Like it wasn't, it wasn't as combative. Uh, in Falcon Winter Soldier, we start after the blip that occurred in Infinity War where Sam Wilson, the Falcon, um, is, and this isn't a spoiler because it happens in the first five minutes, where he returns the shield that Captain America gave him at the end of the franchise for Sam to be the new Captain America. Now, uh, Sam Wilson is played by Anthony Mackie, who is black, the character is black. And the Falcon has to contend with the fact that he does not feel like he could be Captain America because he is a black person. And the idea that Steve Rogers would give him the shield it was really, it was an interesting sort of dynamic because the character of Captain America was such a good man. But like, you realize how naive that character was, even though we rooted for him for years, to think that he could just pass this mantle off to a black person and it would be all okay after he was gone. And the movie, the movie, the series approaches that. And I really enjoyed 
that. I didn't realize how much I missed a conversation about race in the Marvel universe until it happened. Also, the the series is filled with black people. <laughs> like the only white people on it, uh, without any spoilers. There's a new white character that's introduced. There's Bucky, of course. Sebastian Stan is white, and then you know, uh, I won't. I promise, no spoilers. But let's just say other black people show up. Black people you might be familiar with if you watched all the movies. So I'll just leave it there. Check it out. That's awesome. Yeah. I can't fun. wait until we can talk about it freely because I have some questions about some of the dynamics you just indicated. Because mm-hmm. I love that notion of moving the mantle mm-hmm. from Captain America, white dude, to Sam, black mm-hmm. dude. But on many other levels than just that. And Marvel Comics has dealt with this which I, I appreciate Captain, Captain America franchise has dealt with this many times over the decades. What does it mean to be American? What does it mean to champion America? What does it mean that Captain America is a blonde haired, blue eyed man, especially the character of Steve Rogers? Like he is so good. What does it mean? Cause like his ideals are not necessarily the ideals of the suit that he wears, the, the country, the person he represents. And it was just, they, they touch on it in this series and they bring it up here and there. But I just, I love that exploration, especially in this moment when a lot of black people feel like America doesn't owe them anything. What does patriotism mean to a black person? And that is something that Sam struggles with in the penultimate episode. And we'll see how it all ends up. And will he become the new Captain America? Only Kevin Feige knows. So those, uh, that is my recommendation. Check it out. It's fun. If you don't have Disney Plus, get it for like a week and then cancel it, which is how I watch all my TV. That's probably as much as you need it because maybe you want to like watch something once every That's couple of thing. Wait till the whole thing comes out. Listen up, listeners. Wait till the whole thing comes out. Order Disney Plus in like that week long free thing and then cancel it. That's that's the new normal. On that note, everybody. Bye. Bye. bye.